We're in John chapter 7, and Jesus has just given a difficult sermon there at Capernaum in Galilee, and it was difficult in this way, that he said, I came down from heaven. Six times Jesus declares this in chapter 6. And he declares it to the people there in Galilee, right where Jesus was a young lad and grew up. Galilee was his boyhood home. And he's declaring to them, I came down from heaven. And he also declared, no one can come to me unless granted by my God the Father. You can't even accept Jesus unless God has provided that for you, a believing heart. And Jesus also states, I'm the bread of life. Unless you eat of me, unless you consume me, I am the singular way to everlasting life. Apart from me, you will have no life. And this is radical to this Jewish crowd. The people, the disciples, the followers of Christ who have flocked to him, they've come to him to see miracles. They followed him around the Sea of Galilee, wanting him to provide food again for them. He fed the 5,000, and they're looking for more signs and wonders. And they have something to say to Jesus after his little sermon And they say, this is a hard saying because Jesus says, you've got to eat of my body and drink of my blood. And they say, who can understand it? And with this teaching, the multitudes begin to depart from Jesus. If this is hard to understand... Jesus tells them, what if you see uh, see me ascend into heaven? Huh? That would rattle your cages. (laughs) Then Jesus speaks to his 12 chosen disciples, and he says to them, do you want to go away also? And Peter, and I think this is Peter's most spiritual moment, perhaps his greatest moment in Peter was known for putting his foot in his mouth. But in my opinion, this was Peter's greatest moment. And he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You and you alone have the words of eternal life. Jesus has reduced the disciples to the basic belief of Christianity. Jesus coming down to save mankind. Today we live in a world that is what I consider very ecumenical. Uh, and it's, it's basically, you know, many ways to get to heaven, many ways to come together. And we see the gospel being diluted. And so many, many denominations, solid older denominations, they're turning away from the Word of God. 
trying to be politically correct. Softening Jesus' words until they have no foundation. Till they have no strength in them. And there's many ministers, many pastors, who along with their churches no longer believe God's word is inerrant or completely true. In fact, the numbers are staggering that those that believe only most of the scripture is true. There's a group of scholars called the Jesus Movement who meet once a year and they determine what did Jesus really say and what did Jesus really mean. Well, he meant what he said, and it offended back then in Jesus' day, and it offends today. Therefore, each and every believer must determine for himself, did Jesus mean what he said in Scripture? We have to determine that. In my humble opinion, apostasy, a turning away from Christ, is occurring rampantly throughout the Christian church. Therefore, it would behoove us to take a page out of Peter's life and declare only Jesus has the words of life, and you will not go wrong. That's Sermon 1. Now we'll get into Sermon 2. John 7, 1 through 9. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. None of the Jews' feast or tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is also ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast, I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. And when he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. Jesus is narrowing down his area of ministry. He's been in the Galilee area, walking about, doing his miracles, showing his signs, teaching in the synagogue there in Capernaum. But the Jewish leaders are gathered in Judea, in Jerusalem, or in the temple at Jerusalem. And the reason for this is simple. Jesus knows that the Jewish leaders seek to kill him. You don't have to be told when that kind of hatred is coming forth. A little time has passed. The Jewish leaders are intent upon killing uh, this man that the people seem to hold in great esteem. 
But the Feast of Tabernacles, it's approaching. And the Feast of Tabernacles was a week-long event in the fall of the year, kind of like Oktoberfest or something. When the people would build these little booths, these little huts outside of their regular home, camp out for a week in their little shelters in remembrance of God's faithfulness to Israel in the wilderness after leaving Egypt. Feast of the Tabernacles was one of the major feasts. It is also called the Feast of Ingatherings. Jesus' brothers, his half-brothers, his relatives say to him, Leave this Galilee area, go up to Jerusalem that your disciples may also see the works you're going to be doing. For no one does anything in secret. Let me paraphrase that. You want people to come to you and recognize you as Messiah Jesus? Then go up to Jerusalem and show yourself openly. And verse 5 tells us, for even Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. That's amazing. Living with a sinless, perfect person and not recognizing him. But the, the brothers of Jesus, they fall into a trap. And that is, your success, Jesus, depends upon your popularity with the people. And how often do we measure success with popularity? Jeremiah, one of the Old Testament's prophets, probably the most esteemed prophet, he and Elijah and so forth. <clears throat> and he was well known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah had no converts in his ministry. He had not one convert among the people and he prophesied for years against Israel which tells us the most any of us can be is what God has called us to be Jesus has a word for his brothers my hour has not yet come Jesus is saying the time for me to reveal myself it's not Yet come. But your time, he turns the tables on them, the time of fleshly interest, the time of doing uh, things that please you, is always ready. We're always watching out for ourselves in our own special interests. <clears throat> the world and its opinions cannot hate you, my brothers, for you are of the world. The world won't hate you because you're, you're of the world. But the world hates me. And then he tells why. Because I testify, I declare that the world's works are evil. If it was evil then, what is it today? My goodness. One of the greatest, I think, misconceptions we have as believers, we want the world to love us. We want the world to love Jesus. 
and we want the world to respect them, him, and we want the world to respect us. Jesus said, hey, the world hates me because I exposed the works of the world as evil. And guess what? The world hates you and me because we're disciples of Jesus. Now, there's one you can hang on your refrigerator. <laughs> the world hates me. <laughs> Over in John chapter 15, let me read you three verses, 18 through 20, in Jesus speaking. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Jesus is being so straightforward, so honestly, and he tells us as believers, the world's going to hate you. We don't want to hear that, do we? And it's, Jesus says, it hated me before it hates you. Jesus gives us an explanation. You are not of the world, or the world would love you. However, because you have been chosen by me, the world hates you. And as my servants, you are not greater than your master, and you will also be persecuted. The dilemma, the problem we must live with, unbelievers do not love us. And yet we all want to be loved. As believers, our way of life offends unbelievers. And they... They call us several names like Goody Two Shoes uh, and hypocrites. They call us a lot of things. But we have to reconcile the truth here that Jesus is speaking. And that goes contrary to the fact we all want to be loved. I don't want to hear complaints about my sermons when I go back there. I want to hear, good job, Don. Boy, you hit the nail on the head there, man. Preach it, brother. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> and you folks don't give me that. <laughs> but we can be offended when family, when friends, unbelievers don't love us. Because... We think they should. For several years, I tried to make my Lord Jesus a reasonable, practical, logical choice. And that's the way I tried to present Jesus. And Jesus is logical. And he's reasonable to us. And it's only because God the Father has opened our hearts to believe in Jesus. That's the only reason we look at Jesus being reasonable. The Holy Spirit has led us to a point of belief. 
But understand, the world, they're not there yet, or at least not yet, temporarily apart. Hopefully some will turn. So continue to pray for your family and loved ones. But our families, our work acquaintances, our neighbors, etc., they tolerate us. They tolerate us. So we have to toughen up to the truth of our faith. And you also have to try not to be offensive to unbelievers. Realize that they are living in darkness. A darkness of unbelief. But back to Jesus in chapter 7, verse 8. Jesus tells his brothers, I'm not going up to the feast, not yet. For my time has not yet fully come. And Jesus has told his brothers, your time to do evil is ever present. It's always right there in front of you. So, we as believers have to learn to wait upon God in God's timing. We see Jesus not going and doing as his brothers expect him to do. His hour, his right hour, is not there yet. But waiting upon God requires faith. And if you're anything like me, I don't like walking by faith. I like walking by sight and circumstance. You have to have a measure of faith to realize God's ways and his timing are perfect. Jesus had to trust his father for the right time to go up to Jerusalem, his hour to go up to Jerusalem. And when we become anxious about expected behavior, remember God's timing many times require waiting upon God. Waiting builds our faith. Abraham's faith grew strong as he waited for God's promise for a son. Waiting tells us trust God, not our own reasoning. Being a Christian, being a believer, being a disciple can be tough on our ego. Because we will be hated by some. It's going to happen. But realize, Jesus says, they hated me before they hated you. And notice, Jesus didn't say you're going to be disapproved of. He used the word hate. Hate means hate. Do not look for a reasonable reaction from unbelievers, family members sometimes, sometimes those at work. And 
The unreasonableness will come sometimes from those we love. So it's important. It's important that we do what we're doing today. Fellowship with fellow believers. For we give each other encouragement and strength. It's important to our mental health, our well-being, that we have fellowship with one another. Like-minded believers. We need one another. And we need our Lord Jesus. And if you can receive this, consider it an honor to be hated because they hated Jesus before they hated us. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus who came and told us the truth. He preached truth to us. And he told us that uh, the world's not going to love us, but in fact, the world's going to hate us. But Lord, that's a, that's a welcome badge we want to wear. It's painful when those that we love sometimes come against us in hateful ways. That can be painful, Lord. But Lord, to identify with you and know that you were a man of sorrows, a man of sufferings. So, Lord, help us to look upon you and take strength and encouragement from you, knowing that the world hated you also. And let us show our love of you by being obedient to you. And strengthen us, Lord, when we would grow weak, when we would look for the popularity or look for the the love of people that are opposed to you and help us to understand that's just not going to happen so strengthen us lord by your spirit that's our prayer and we pray in jesus name amen now before i give you your blessing we're having a potluck afterwards